0: Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening, depend, depending on where you are in this world. Uh, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired NYPD detective sergeant. I did 27 years on the NYPD. And with me today is retired NYPD detective, straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing today, Phil?
1: Pretty good, Bill. How about you?
0: I'm doing good, you know. I just want to let everyone know that's listening, our, our subscribers, everyone out there that cares for the for him. Joe Murray uh, is is in the hospital now, but he's much better than he was yesterday. Thank God, he finally went to the hospital. Uh, if you haven't heard, he has COVID, and he's much more comfortable today. He's feeling a little bit better, and hopefully, he'll get better every day till till he can go home. But all your prayers, thank God, they seem to be working. Uh, if you don't believe in prayer, then just give him good thoughts. But it seems like Joe's starting to turn the corner. And we all, on this show, we all love Joe. And not only is he a retired uh, NYPD police officer, but he's an outstanding attorney and just a great human being. And we wish him nothing but the best. And Joe, if you're listening, we're giving you prayers. And uh, the, for those atheists that are listening to us, they're giving you good thoughts, you know. So uh, we just wanted to... Uh, Hello, Susanna Johnson from England. See, I don't know what time zone you're in because folks are watching and listening to the show
1: from all over the place. I just want to say a quick word about Joe, Bill, real quick. Joe is obviously, like you said, he's a great attorney. Um, He's a retired member of the police department. He really is just a really nice man. He's a great individual. We love the guy. Prayers for him. He went through a couple of uh, weeks with this thing and it it started to get a little worse where he had to go to the hospital, but glad to hear he's turning around. All those prayers are being answered. Keep up. Everybody pull for Joe. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be fine. I think uh, he might have turned the corner and God bless you, Joe, and uh, prayers for you and your family. You know, Phil, what a way to have to lose weight. Yeah, <laughs> to get, yeah, to get covered COVID right. <laughs> I, it, it, mean, it, I had it, so it does, It definitely does. When you lose your sense of taste, when I had it, that's what uh, threw threw me over the edge. Where I lost, I lost like five pounds in like a week and a half, two weeks, and uh, wow. the food just doesn't taste good. And you don't, you don't feel like eating. But thank it. God, yeah. uh, all of that ended, and I'm, I'm back to my fighting weight. And I want oh. Joe back to his fighting weight. You're a tough that's son of right. a gun, Joe. Fight Absolutely. this thing. All right. You know,
0: folks, if you are not a subscriber to uh, Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. We also have a – you can become a member. Here's a new member right here, here, VP, new member. Thank you so much for joining our channel. We could use all the support from you folks, and uh, we're we're relatively new on YouTube. I'd say in the last seven, eight months we've been uh, making our way on YouTube. We've had our podcast for – approximately two and a half years. However, we were in the wrong place, but now we're in the right place and we're building a family and we're building an audience. So thank you so much. Now, I, I know everyone, of course, wants to hear the, the topic of this show and that's Summer Wells. And we just want to say from, from a police perspective, we're also hoping and praying that Summer Wells is found and that she's found alive. That is the most important thing. There's been a lot of noise in regards to this case. And the noise, of course, is coming from you know, fake book is as Duty Ron would say. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of made-up information. And even this week, there was a hoax. On September 1st, someone put out a, an actually real looking flyer that uh, Don Wells had been arrested. And YouTube and all the social media was going crazy. And I could have I could have imagined what would have happened if Duty Ron didn't slam the door on that by calling someone he knew in one of the police agencies who confirmed, no, there was no arrest, that's not total nonsense, and slam the door on that. And I'd just like to say from a police perspective, in a case like this, if Don Wells was arrested by another police agency, there would be a, what's known as a teletype. They would send a teletype to the local police agency because they know about this big case, and they would inform them. If he was arrested from another state, it would take at least probably a week or more to extradite him to another state. You can't just arrest someone in Tennessee and, say, bring the guy to Wisconsin. Uh, He has to be brought before a magistrate, and they have to approve. He has to waive extradition. And if he doesn't, a judge has to decide. And that takes a while because he needs counsel and all that other stuff. So Duty Ron checked all of that stuff, and he slammed the door on that very quickly. And so many people were all ready to put that ball under their arm and run towards the goal line with it because they thought, oh, my God, this is a great new story. But it was total nonsense. And there's a lot of other stuff, you know, that, you know, YouTube can be a lot like playing telephone, you know. Someone repeats something, and because someone repeats it after them, all of a sudden it becomes true because someone says it on YouTube does not make it true. So the whole premise of this show today is uh, what what are the police and the real investigators on this case
1: thinking post this hoax? What do they think? Phil, what do you think about that? Well, first off, when this uh, hoax hit the internet, it lit up like wildfire. I mean, there was all kinds of... Um People jumping on top of it, ready to uh, talk about it. Uh, Don was arrested for whatever they were alleging. We turned; it, it turned out, and we found out very quickly, thanks to duty, Ron, that it was uh, basically nonsense. But what I think it does is, and I could uh, relate to a case that I worked on, and I'll give you a quick story. We had a homicide where a guy was—he uh, was kidnapped and murdered. Uh, he was left in the trunk of his car. It was the wintertime. He was in the, the trunk of the car for six weeks laying on his side. So there's a thing called lividity. The whole left side of his body was purple. And when they took him out of the car, they did the autopsy. Now we had in the initial stages, we had the guy identified. We had a good uh, relationship going with the family. Now I've said this before. A lot of times we would go to the wake or the funeral of the person who was killed to show respect, the solidarity with the family that we were heavily involved. We go to the wake and the family's very standoffish with us. So I can't uh, figure it out. I get one of the spokespersons from the family. And now the investigation was going along pretty good. And the family was standoffish. I said, what's going on? You lied to us. I said, what do you mean? Well, uh, the mortician that prepared the body said he was beaten. Now, he had, he had died from a bullet wound, a bullet wound in the head. And that's what we told him. They said that, uh, oh, the whole left side of his body was purple. I said, and the guy, matter of fact, the guy is here to prepare the body. I said, get him in the room. So we took him in the office. I said, what do you know about police investigation? Well, I know how to prepare a body. I go, do you ever hear of the word called lividity? Long story short, this guy... Took the family out of our, uh, you know, our good relationship with them, and a lot of times the family can provide you with information. Now, the reason I'm telling this story is a hoax like this. Thank God it, it doesn't seem like it did anything like that, but it can take you off track. It's nonsense. It's baloney, and we have to focus on the facts. Now, where the police are with this investigation, in my opinion, I think they know a lot more than they're telling. Obviously, they've been very tight, li- tight-lipped with this whole thing, but I think that. Bill said it in the beginning of the show. The goal here is to find Summer. We want Summer found. And and with the help of God, she would be alive and well. And that would be the greatest outcome ever. However, things don't look that great in that direction. It's still a possibility. But without there being uh, Summer found with this investigation, that may be why things seem to be turning very slowly. That's what I think is going on now. We know from what the police did release and from, you know, different things that we found out that a fact we go by facts. We're not going to talk about uh, hypotheticals or anything like that. The facts are, is that it looks like the children were taken away. There had to be a reason for that. The other children that were in the home um, we talked about and discussed uh, what we felt about uh, Candace and Don and there's criminal records and there's, you know, drug Phil, abuse, let, Phil let
0: me just, let me just stop you for one second. Sure. I just want to, someone in the chat says, Actually, Candace called Don's sister Mary and created the lie. He admitted he did it to see who was leaking info to Chris uh, McDonough. You guys are behind on the story. No, we're not, because I don't listen to the garbage coming out of Candace's mouth or anyone else on YouTube. The only thing I take as gospel is what comes out of the police, because all right. of this stuff is misdirection. Misdirection. It's nonsensical. So please don't. I did 27 years on the NYPD. I, I was the, the head of a... A team in Manhattan North Homicide. All right. So please don't give me this nonsense that I'm supposed to listen to, to two suspects in the case who are, you know, they're trying to choreograph the investigation. And because YouTubers put it out like it's true, that's ridiculous. So thank you for your comments. But excuse me that I'm getting annoyed. I don't take anyone's word on YouTube because we see all the nonsense putting out here. And some of the stuff being put on the, on all the different sites is is outrageous. And
1: you think the police, it's it's like a soap opera. That's what it really is like. It's like a one big soap opera. Bill, you're getting excited for the same reason that I've gotten excited in the past on this, is that you know from your experience as a professional, you were in a homicide squad, you you commanded a team of guys, and you've been in the thick of this type of investigation. And the last thing you need is BS. Okay. We don't need that in any investigation. And and I, 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 you know, I understand why you're getting upset because there's a lot of innuendo. And listen, somebody telling you we've been, We're not privy to the actual investigation. We don't have the file in front of us, obviously. But we've been pretty plugged in on this thing. And if something's happening, we had Dave Rader on, Duty Runs had Dave Rader on. That's a person that was present at the home, saw the layout, was uh, conducted the searches, took part in the searches. That's somebody who's very, very informational with regard to this case. There he is. They, they, They were on the ground. They saw the layout. They saw the area. They gave us Dave specifically gave us the exact. He had his eyes on the on the location, so he gave us the best idea and he gave us the best look into what was going on on the ground at that location. So we're, we're very fact based. We're not going to listen to innuendo or you know conjecture or anybody's opinion. It's not about opinions and everybody's got them. Uh, it's about facts. So right now. There hasn't been a lot of fact, but one of the facts that was released recently by the police is that they said they haven't excluded anyone, including Don and Candace, as being suspects. So, you know, there, there was all these stories, pe- people uh, uh, talking about, you know, uh, Candace and Don are innocent, this and that. We don't know who's innocent. We don't know who's guilty. And I'm sure that the police have a good handle on this. The police, the FBI, and the TBI. I know that they have a good handle on it. And I like the fact, and Bill, I'm sure you'll agree that they're being tight-lipped about this. You don't want information out. You want to hold all the cards and you want to be able to, you know, attack this thing from a, a, a standpoint of knowing most of your information, having all your facts in order, and then you proceed with the case. And we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. My opinion, I think that they probably have enough Information on this case to say what happened to Summer uh, on that day that she was last seen, and they're just waiting for certain things to uh, the wheels of justice to turn, so to speak. And uh, listen, I, I I agree with your uh, your outrage, Bill. This this is really you know a lot of nonsense and, and BS uh, that's being promoted on Facebook and and on uh, YouTube. And listen, everybody has the right to voice their opinion and everything, but we're coming from professional standpoint, and we're basing everything we say on facts. And anybody that challenges us or has a comment, we always answer it, and we'll give the reason why we say the things that we say.
0: Well, you know, Phil, when they had, uh, I believe her name was Mary, on a couple of the channels talking about the essay, I'll use that uh, those initials for what occurred to her, she was Don's uh, stepsister. How is, th- I mean, look, she reported that to TBI. How is that now helping the case for her to go on multiple YouTube channels and tell this? How is that helping find Summer? It's not. The, ans- that's the, the answer is it's not. So it's, it's, it's like a smokescreen. Yes, it's getting people big numbers on this, but how is it helping to find Summer Wells? You know, and what happened to Mary? Horrible, horrible, horrible situation. She can, pro- she can press charges that happen in another state. But that was reported to the TBI days after Summer was found missing. So they know about it. So if it was to their advantage to make an arrest right now, say, to keep Don in, they could do that in conjunction with the the, the, the authorities in that state, the state of occurrence. But they have chosen not to do that because they've had that information
1: Before all
0: the fake book people have.
1: You you know what, Bill? I'm so glad that you brought that up because, see, what a lot of people might not realize, and most people that are watching this aren't in law enforcement. Now, if you ever worked on a murder investigation, which you have, I have, uh, intimate details and knowledge about specific things in a case, you don't want that released to the public. Now, it might sound good on YouTube and on Facebook and all these different, uh, social media, uh, outlets. I I get it. Believe me, it's interesting stuff. And when you hear it, you might have an aha moment, but with regard to the actual investigation, those are the type of things that you want to keep very close to the vest. You want to hold them as your information. And there's different reasons that I'm not going to go into. I'm not going to expose every investigative technique that I've ever enlisted or, or that we enlist generally in a a murder investigation. But those are things that you don't want in the public view. And I think that it's not going to, like you said, it's not going to help find summer. It's not going to help the case. It's really actually complicating things. There's too much going on in in the investigation and in, in the YouTube world. And listen, with that hoax that we talked about in the beginning of the show, that is something that will sidetrack them. Even if it's for 10 minutes, it's just not worth wasting the time to address something that's fake, false, in plain English, bullshit. We don't want to put that in the middle of a murder investigation, possibly a missing person case of a five-year-old girl. We don't want any sidetracks. We don't want any detours. We want this case to proceed forward. And Listen, uh, people might not agree with what we're saying, but we're talking about as investigators from the inside. These are things that shouldn't be going on. There shouldn't be interviews of primary people in the case publicly on YouTube. There shouldn't be, you know, these these. Uh, it's like a detour. This, uh, you know, she's talking about. They they use the initials S.A. Uh, regarding Don and stuff. Look, they may have that uh, in their, in their wallet, so to speak, that they're going to pull that card out to arrest him and hold him. We don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, at this point, uh, uh a lot of stuff is happening, uh, in social media and everybody's eager for information. And listen, a lot of times uh, these type of cases, they don't go as fast as everybody would like. We understand why as investigators, we're trying to explain it to you guys. And, you know, I think that, uh, that point about, uh, you know, her doing that interview, it's really not going to help the case at all, Bill. That was a great point. You know, I
0: still, I said um, day one on this case that uh, the main persons of interest are Don and Candace, and I still 100% feel that way, you know. I think that that the answer is in their circle, and the answer is in one of them. And I, I'd be very surprised if when this case is uh, solved, that one of them isn't going to be in handcuffs. And um, I think that, you know, even the guy, the guy from the Hawkins sheriff, he said just the other day, oh, there he is right here. Everyone is still a person of interest. Well, of course, of course, that's true because you don't have anyone who's under arrest. So yes, in a homicide investigation, a missing person investigation, everyone is a person of interest. You can't until you exclude someone. Uh, then you know everyone is a person of interest, and the you know the TV people and the media people love to use that that term, person of interest. The real popo, we never use we never use that. You know, we 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 would say, oh yeah, he's the suspect or she's the suspect. The person of interest thing, I think, was invented by the
1: press. Yes, absolutely, Bill. But I want to expand a little more on on the points that you just brought up. Now we know. Almost certainly, almost certainly that Summer was last seen about 2.30 on the day that she disappeared, 2.30 p.m. And then it was reported to the police around 6.30 p.m. That's generally a good fact. Is about a three or four hour window there. Now, we've really looked into, especially with Dave Rader, what the possibilities of her being uh, removed from, from from the home Being abducted or anything of that scenario. And I think that we gave a lot of time to that and really made our opinions. And we were both of the same opinion. And everybody that came on the show was of the same opinion that an abduction was very highly unlikely. So now, what you just said about Candace and Don, those are the two adults and the grandmother as well. So there's three adults that are in the home. I think that it lies with those three people at least two of them for sure, and possibly the grandmother. And then the children, they may have something very, very uh, important to add in this case. But with that three or four hour window, and we really have said that we believe and we think that she wasn't abducted. I think based on what Dave Rader told us and all the other information that we have on that, the chances of that are slim to none. And I think that You hit the nail right on the head, Bill, when you said that you believe whatever happened to Summer on that day, the information would lie with the two people on the screen, Don and Candace, and possibly the grandmother. So we're making that statement, or we're giving our opinion in that direction based on us really examining what fact, the facts that we know already, the facts that there's a four-hour window that we believe that she was last seen and then she was reported, and what happened in that period of time. And I really believe what you said is 100% going to be turn out to be the fact that Candace and Don were the ones who were the adults in that compound or that home, that area, and they're going to have the answers to this. And quite likely, if there was some horrible thing that happened to summer that they may wind up in handcuffs. I mean, and I think that's uh, based on what we know. And again, we don't have intimate knowledge of the case folder. It's not in front of me. It's not in front of you, but our professional opinions, I mean, and and I I don't think it's too hard to agree with what I'm saying. Is that Pretty much everybody believed there was all the stuff that happened from early in the morning with the going to the watering hole, going to the hospital, going to the drugstore, going to the stores, ingesting uh, alcoholic beverages, possibly painkillers in there. We know about all of that. We've pretty much based on the statements that uh, Candace and Don made, we believe those things to be true. But the more important thing is that they came back to the house and they were in the home. Hopefully around two thirty, and then she's reported at six thirty. Two thirty p.m. to six thirty p.m. So, I mean, if you if you know that for a fact, which it's I, I don't know if it's a hundred percent fact, but we believe it to be pretty true. What happened in that four hours? And again, we had Dave Rader that was on the ground and saw search was at that location, and his opinion led us to the fact that we believe that she wasn't abducted. You know, Phil, I want to just go back. I, I I, always
0: want to go back to this very early. This was a day or two after it occurred, this video, because I think it just says so much, and nothing has really changed since this video. So let me uh, give it a play here. I know
2: she didn't walk away from this property by herself or off this yard by her swing. I feel in my heart that somebody has came up here and took her has lured her away from here. Me and my mother and her were planting flowers and we went in after we got done washing our hands and she got a piece of candy from grandma and she wanted to go back over and see her brothers. And I said, okay. And I walked her all the way over to the porch and I watched her walk into the kitchen where the boys were watching TV And I told the boys, I said, watch summer. I'll be back. And within two minutes, I came back. And I asked the boys where their sister was. And they said, she went downstairs, mom, to play with her toys in the playroom. I said, okay. And I yelled downstairs for her a couple times. And I didn't get no answer, which was unusual because usually she always answers me. And so I went down there to check. And she was nowhere in sight. She was just gone. I don't go on walks around here or runs because I'm scared of the bears and snakes and even the coyotes that are around here. Well, whoever has my daughter, I pray and hope that they have not harmed her and they bring her back to us safe and sound.
3: Just turn, I mean, go to the FBI, the police and uh, clear it up. I mean. I don't know. It seems kind of elusive.
2: It's really strange that I've never seen this truck, and I've never heard of it until just recently. But I wish they would come forward and explain themselves. And if you're not a suspect, at least come forward and say what you've seen. She was a tomboy. I shaved my head. She wanted to have her head shaved like me and the boys did.
3: She tried to shave her head,
2: she tried in to the shave back, her head and, and make it.
3: Uh, I think you can see it in some of the pictures, and it was getting out of control. So she, we decided to shave her head off and let it grow back long. And she shaved her head to, to so she wouldn't feel bad, and uh, but, but it didn't bother her at this point. Well, we knew. I knew right away that she was abducted. You know, I knew that right away. And that's what I told them from the beginning. But they have to, they have to go through their, you know, I forget the word
2: investigation.
3: They have to do one step at a time, I guess. But I'm sorry that they had to spend so many man hours in these woods and everything. I've seen them limping and everything else, you know, and I feel for them. You
0: know, every time I watch that, I just get like, you know, people are fooled by that because like he's, he speaks so softly. He comes across as a nice guy. He's not a nice guy. I mean, he's totally not a, you know, he's been to prison. He's got some serious issues. This guy, and as far as the essay, and I'll use that, uh, those two letters to that. It doesn't get cured. This guy was doing that. He's continued to do it. And he's, he's probably, you know, essayed other members of his family. and, the fact that people were like arguing that this is a good guy, I just, it baffles me because we know,
1: we know differently, you know, I, I just want to say about that video, that interview, now, you know, there's so many things that jump out at, at me about that video. Now, I talked about this before that our experience with people, I mean, being on the NYPD for 22 years, um, um, From day one, uh, you got involved. I mean, people that have their life together and everything's going good and, and they're on the straight and narrow don't have too much interaction with the police. A lot of times we have interaction with people that have narcotic abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, whatever. The point is this. When you're looking at that video right off the bat, right away, first red flag, they both appear to be possibly intoxicated or on narcotics or something. So that's red flag number one. But there's something that really jumps out. Don is convinced. He says, I know right from the beginning, she was abducted. Now, when we looked at that from our standpoint and having Don Rader on the ground, we don't think that that's even possible. How did he say 100% he knows that she was abducted? That would be one of the things that I would definitely re-interview him on. And I would hit back on that. I mean, I would be Loaded for bear, as they say, with other facts and knowing that maybe there was an inconsistency in what he said or a story, his initial statements. And that's why when when I conduct an investigation or I did a murder investigation, I always tried to get from the beginning a really good, solid interview. And then I would work out from there and say, okay, he said A, B and C. And I would check out A, B and C. And when I would find the inconsistencies with A, B and C, that's when I would go back for the reinterview and hit hard on the inconsistencies. But if you look at that video, and I'm not trying to disparage anyone, it appears that they may be people that have, uh, you know, uh, uh, they have an addiction abuse. Okay. It's clear. They both look like they're high. And then the second thing, just, I mean, I could probably find a dozen things that I don't like about that interview, but He's convinced they're both convinced that we sh- she was abducted and I noticed in the chat somebody said that the milk video was taken at 3:10 p.m okay that could be I was saying the the window I, I put it out from 2 30 to 6 30 you know I think they may have called the police before 6 30 might have even been around 6:15 or that's when they noticed I'm miss- missing so my point is this there's a there's a period of time a window and the window is three to four hours let's say uh, just generally. And I know that somebody put that on there, 310. I don't even know if that's true, if that video was taken in. But however, there is a way to find out exact time and exact location that that video was taken. Because that cell phone, any smartphone has a date time stamp and it also has a location stamp. So those are the things that we've talked about in previous shows that the police, the FBI and the TBI will be looking into. If she said she took that video and she was by Walgreens, they'll be able to tell from her smartphone if she was at Walgreens when she took that video and the exact date and time. And those are the things that we've explored in this case. We're not going by YouTube, uh, you know, uh, opinions. We're going by fact and things that we know. And these are the tools of investigation that they're going to be enlisting, the FBI, the TBI, and the local police. And there's so many other things. We talked about if they were in the store, there's a video. If they were in the emergency room, there's a video. If they made calls, the cell phones, I know that the cell phone service is spotty there, but if you connect to a cell tower and or if you're using the phone, It gives a cell tower, just having it on, gives you an area where the phone is at the time. If you're talking on it, if you're making a call or if you're sending a text message, it gives an almost exact location. When I say almost exact, within a couple of feet. So these are the things that you would try to explore and you try to uh, uh, impeach these things as far as they're not fact. And you go back and that's when you Uh, examine and you re-interview and then you get the person to tell you the truth about what they're not telling the truth about.
0: You know, Phil, I just want to address someone in the chat named g Dog. She wrote, okay, he admitted to SA. He isn't the nice guy he makes out, but why does that make him guilty of someone's disappearing? It doesn't make him guilty. It sure makes him a hell of a good suspect though, because, you know, the SA that we're talking about is a felony. It's, 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 not a, uh, it's not a misdemeanor. It's not a little slap on the wrist crime. It's a felony. It's horrendous. And if he's capable of doing that, do you think he's capable of killing his daughter or hiding his daughter or selling his daughter? He's capable of all of those things. So to make light of the essay is, is ridiculous. I mean, this guy is a bad guy. I had said early on in this investigation that I felt he was a career criminal. And all yeah, you had to see some of these other people on the other channels that have absolutely zero law enforcement experience, have zero experience doing investigations, and they oh my god, how can you call him a career criminal? You know,
1: like because he is. You know, (laughs) you you're not making that statement from left field, Bill. I mean, when we would go, if we were, if if day one today, right now, someone was being reported missing, and me and you showed up to take the information on the missing person case we would get his name his date of birth and we would run him to see if he has a criminal history that would be to either a exclude him as being involved in a missing person case possible criminal activity or include him now if if he had a criminal history of domestic abuse which he does we know that for a fact he was arrested back in October before the the uh, someone went missing he was arrested with a gun he was intoxicated and he was charged with uh, domestic abuse on Candace she later dropped the charges so now he was drunk He was being belligerent and abusive towards her. And he had an illegal firearm. So we know that for a fact. And then there's other criminal history. Now, how can anyone say that that's not pertinent to this investigation? It 100% is. And you're making the statement you're making, Bill, based on that. And this is just routine police work. Anybody that's going to be reporting or involved. Listen, I, I mentioned it earlier. Those three adults were home in the house. Those three people I would... Almost 100% guarantee. Not, no, no, I, I do guarantee it, that they were run to see if they have criminal records. And we found out that, sure enough, Don does have a criminal past. Now, that does not make him guilty. I'm going to stress that. That does not, in and of itself, make him guilty of crime, of, of doing something horrible to Summer. Again, it does not make him guilty of that. However, he needs to be looked at. He needs to be spoken to. And these things are not out of the realm with an investigation on a missing person case, you'd always run the person to see if they have criminal activity. You want to see if who's reporting this person missing has credibility. That's what it's about. Do they have credibility? So, you know, you're making that statement bill. I'm 100% in agreement with that, that he has a criminal history and that's the red flag. That's another red flag. You need to, you know, and I, again, does not make him guilty of anything. We know that people that, have criminal history does not make them guilty of everything, but I would definitely be shining a spotlight on him and trying to get more information out of him. And I would want to get the truth and the facts. That's the thing with this case. We're going to only talk about facts. We can give our opinions on certain things based on a fact and and we'll back it up with that, but we're not, we're not going to, you know, somebody wrote in here, every time you breathe, there's another video on YouTube regarding this case. And, And that's quite true, but we're not going to get caught up in the, you know, uh, hypothetical situations or hypothetical stories or rumors. And, and we just had that thing from the other day where they said he was arrested and he wasn't. It was total BS. So we're basing what we say on the facts that we know and our professional opinions. Uh,
0: someone just asked in the chat, I want to just, uh, Nicole Wilson Thank you so much for for your 499 Super Chat. Do you think Don would have been cleared by now if he had a good alibi? Well, if his alibi excluded him from any possibility of being involved in this, for example, being 12 hours away or, or 10 hours away and couldn't have possibly been involved in this, yeah, that would totally clear him or exclude him. But that's not the case. And I think the investigators know exactly where Don and Candace were, based on their cell phones and cell site information. There may also be GPS information inside the computers in the cars. So I think they know. Yeah. Well, so you, to answer your question, yes, he would have been cleared if he had a very strong alibi, but guess what? He does not have a strong alibi.
1: that, That was a great question by Nicole, a great comment. And the reason I say that is this, if, um, The police were very confident, the FBI, the TBI, uh, the local police were confident that he had a good alibi, wasn't involved. With all the negative publicity that's been out, I am certain they would have come out and said, we don't think that he is a person of interest in this case, either him or his wife or whoever. I think they would have done that. And it's happened before in case there was, you know, uh, a woman goes missing right away. They always look at the husband. There's been cases where they come out publicly and say, we don't believe that the husband is a person of interest in this disappearance. And I feel very strongly, very strongly, that had that been their case, and I'm very glad that that young lady made that comment, that they would have said, we don't believe that Don is a person of interest in this case. They would have definitely come out publicly. You agree, Bill? Yeah, hundred percent. hundred
0: percent. Someone else in the chat, uh, they said if you don't believe that uh, Summer was abducted, then what do you think happened to her? You know, I I don't like to just predict, but I I don't think anything good happened to her. I'll put it that way. You know, uh, we I have spoken to Dave Rader as recently as a few days ago. And, you know, I respect that man. There he is, the big tall guy in the back. That's the whole Equus Midwest search team who have been to to Hawkins County, and they're ready to come back if requested. Uh, He totally, from day one, said he he felt that, based on the terrain and where she was reported missing from, he felt that abduction was such a long shot that he discounted it. So, I mean... There, I respect Dave Rader to no end. Tim Miller, the Equus search people, and you know, I think that they, as I said, they're ready to come back and utilize drones. May could there have been areas that have been missed? Absolutely, absolutely, could have been areas that are, cool. that have been missed. So with drones, they could uh, come in there and maybe cover some of those areas that uh, were missed on the on the foot search. So. Look, uh, to answer the original question, I think something bad happened to summer at this point. I, you know, I, w- I would love to be hopeful and say, I hope she's recovered alive, but I think time now it's been eighty eighty-one 81 days since she was reported missing time is not on our side at this point. So I, I hate to say that unfortunately being in this business, uh, For 27 years, I don't think anything good happened to Summer.
1: I just want to make a comment about Dave Rader. Now, Dave Rader is not an investigator. Uh, However, he's involved in this uh, Midwest uh, Texas Expo Search. And I got to say, initially, I did think that they were, uh, you know, they were uh, amateurs, but they're quite the professional. And... He came across to me as somebody that uses common sense. So the things that he said, we even questioned some of the things that he said. And him not being an investigator, a criminal investigator, not a homicide investigator. However, he's not in law enforcement. But his statements that he made about whether or not he believed that she was abducted came from a common sense standpoint. And what police work is and detective work is, is very based on common sense. If something is reasonable, you put it into the investigation. And if something is not reasonable, you kind of put it to the side. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but the most reasonable, you know, you try to go down the things that make the most sense. And Dave Ray's opinion to me is probably only second only second to one of the investigators on the case because he was on the ground. He was there. He saw things and he really has to me, he strikes me as an individual that uses a lot of common sense. And he showed me professionalism with the way that they conduct these searches. They've never compromised a criminal investigation. When they found remains, they have over 200 and change uh, times that they found remains 400 times that they found and safely returned missing people, and they've done over 1,800 searches. So he's obviously a professional at what he does. He showed showed me that he used common sense when he made those statements. So I got to put a lot of weight into what he said. You know, Bill, I wasn't on the ground. You weren't on the ground. He saw it. So I think he's very, very important to anything that was said about this investigation or about this case or about Little Summer. Uh,
0: Lori Dozer, thank you so much for the 1999 Super Chat. I'm going to answer your question. You said, could they be charged with this hoax? Who was the hoax perpetrated on? It was perpetrated on the YouTube community, on the social media community. So my answer to that is no, they couldn't be charged. They duped this community. If they duped the police in a written document or a misdirection, yeah, then they could be charged. But the police are weren't listening to this hoax, the people on social media was. So unfortunately they're both playing social media for their own ends right now. And that's, what's dangerous about that. And the only ones that really know the real truth in this case are the police, the FBI and the TBI. They know the facts. We don't. All the facts on YouTube and all these, and a and good people say, Yes, but that's the real crime community, the true crime. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is. And it's it, it, most of this is done for entertainment purposes. However, you know, that doesn't mean the stuff being put out is true, you know. And people can put out five shows exactly the same, just twist the story around a little bit. And that's what, in fact, is happening. Because, of course, this is a popular – you mentioned the Summer Wells case on YouTube, and it lights up the uh, – lights up the screen, you know? And, but we have to realize this is the missing person case of a five-year-old girl, which very well could turn into a homicide case. And it's a serious, serious matter. And that's, that's why we take it this seriously. And, you know, we don't, I'm not coming on with this case every single day or twice a week. Uh, We, if you notice, we've moved on to other different things, but this is an important case. And of course, finding this five year old girl
1: has caught the attention of this whole country. You know,
0: it's an important case.
1: Absolutely, Bill. And you brought up the word duped. You said that the YouTube community was duped. However, you, I, and Duty Ron weren't duped. Now, when we heard the information, obviously, before we said one word about it, We double-checked it and made sure that it were true or not true, and it turned out it wasn't true. Now, I'm not trying to throw roses at us. I'm just trying to show that this show, Duty Run Show, we have integrity, and we're not going to compromise that for anyone. Now, could we have jumped on that afternoon and said, oh, you know, Don was arrested. See, we told you so. Yeah, of course we could have. We would have looked like fools, though, when it came out that it was... Not true. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to enter into that arena. Like you said, we tape it off from doing a lot of coverage of the Summer Weld's case because there really wasn't a lot going on. But now that this happened, we felt it was time to come on. And listen, if something negative or positive comes out about this case, we'll be on top of it, but we're not going to you know, be reckless and say, oh, look, you know, they reported on uh, so-and-so that uh, Don Wells was arrested for... Not happening unless we know for a fact. And that's the way we're going to handle it. That's the way we're going to handle all of our shows, no matter what the subject matter is.
0: Bob Murray, thank you for the $5 super chat. Your question, why, what can, what can be take so long? Are there multiple suspects? Are they waiting for more evidence? I'm confused. Yes, they are waiting for more evidence. They want to put all the evidence together. If all the evidence turns out to be circumstantial, which uh means for for which inferences are drawn that's what it means circumstantial evidence they want to have a lot of circumstantial evidence before they pull the trigger and lock someone up for this case so good good question bob murray yes they are waiting for more evidence and they want to make sure when it comes time to make an arrest that they have enough not just to make an arrest but to get a a conviction also
1: I'd like to expand on a little more Bill that was Barb Murray great question. I think you're kind of getting and you understand how uh investigation and prosecution may work in in this case or in another case and what I mean by that is this. If there's a likelihood that there was foul play involving Summer which you know she's once she's gone a number of hours that's considered foul play. Okay, so we can say for certain there's foul play in this case. And now as the search went on, days went on, they felt that maybe, you know, if she was out in the woods that she wasn't, you know, she couldn't have survived. So at some point, The prosecutor's office, the district attorney's office is going to be brought into the investigation. As the wheels are turning and they're coming up with more and more evidence, they're not going to jump to make an arrest so easily. They're going to build a case like Bill just said. They're going to put all the pieces together. And when they do pull the trigger on something like that, they want to be have as much evidence. And again, if Summer is found. Or her remains are found, which I hope that's not the case. That would be probably a big turning point in this investigation. Of course, we know for a fact, and this we could say would certainly, even though we haven't saw the case folder, a lot of things are being done regarding cell phones, video cameras, computers, all of that stuff. We know that that's being done. We don't have to see it. We know it. That's
0: for sure. Great, you know, Phil, we just, Folks, we're just going to jump to a quick... Uh, Commercial. So if you have to go to the bathroom, this is the time to do it. We'll, you know, take a, about a, two or three minutes.
1: Are you tired of the same old surroundings, looking to relocate, or are you just in need of a real estate agent in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina area? Well, Carol Waters is your girl. Her and her husband, Rob Mahan, who's a retired member of the NYPD and the New York Fire Department, are both million dollar sales agents. Carol and her husband, Rob, can be reached at 914-261-6681. That's 914-261-6681. Or you can email her at MB at gmail.com. That's MB at gmail.com. One of her clients was quoted as saying she always goes the extra mile. Joe Murray, attorney at law. In our prayers today, Joe, get well soon. We know you're going to fight this thing and come out on top of it. Have you found yourself in a jam or are you in need of legal counsel in the New York City area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. And his telephone number is 646-838-1702, 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. That's joe at jmurray-law.com. Get well soon, big guy.
0: Folks, Police Coffee is an officer-owned business dedicated to crafting the finest coffees and blends. They'll provide you with the freshest coffee available. Each batch is roasted fresh by people who know what it means to stay vigilant. And our specialty coffees do not waste one drop when flavor is concerned. Our coffee is some of the best you'll find, but it also helps serve an important cause, giving back to our community. 50% of our profits goes towards helping family members of police officers who fell in the line of duty. To order coffee and related products from policecoffee.com, just go to that website. There are over seven types of coffee to choose from. Fifty percent off products. Oh, excuse me. Fifty percent of the profits go to officers' families in need. For a ten percent discount, use code OTC10. That's off the cuff ten. I put my money where my mouth was, and I bought some of this coffee. And I'll tell you something: outstanding coffee. And at the same time, you're drinking it, you're supporting uh, officers' families. Um- if you are looking for supplements, be sure to check out the products from FirstDoNutrition.com. As first responders, there are certain expectations in our performance on the job. We train hard and drill often to be able to perform at our best when duty calls. Whether it's hoofing over 100 pounds of gear or engaging in a spontaneous foot chase, we work out like our life depends on it because it does. Two New York City firemen created this supplement line with hand-picked products that will not pop positive on any drug tests for first responders. Solid pre-workout products will give you a good pump and a short-term strength boost that can help you power through your workout. Supplements that help with fat burning and weight loss and post-workout formulas that support recovery. Go to FirstNutrition.com. Use code OFFTHECUFF to get 10%
1: off your order.
0: Oh, that's a mouthful, huh?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you. You know, I was looking at the comments while you were reading the commercial, and there was one of the comments said, thank you for a breath of fresh air and your professional opinions and no drama. We're not trying to dramatize anything. We're talking from a very professional standpoint. I thought that was a great point. I went back to try and find it. I wanted to say the person's name. I I think it was a a female last name, McMurray. I can't seem to find it here. This thing, the chat moves so quick, but uh, thanks for that comment. You know, folks.
0: Just uh, to repeat, uh, Joe Murray is uh, being treated, and he's he's improving. Today is or oh, is the first day he's feeling a little bit better. And I texted him this morning. I didn't want to bother him with a phone call because he he coughs a lot. And I texted him, and he sounded so much better than he has in the last few days. I talked to his his girlfriend Angie, and she told me that he's he's starting to improve. So all your prayers and our prayers. And your good thoughts, if you're an atheist, have been answered, and uh, he's starting to improve. And so thank you guys all in the Police Off the Cuff community for praying for Joe Murray.
1: I, I'm a big believer in the power of prayer, and I have a close, very close friend of mine, Louis Scarsella, and he has a prayer book. He says prayers for different friends and relatives uh, have cancer and stuff. And I asked him, please put Joe in the book last night, and I just hope that I know it sounds crazy to some people. I believe in the power of prayer, and I think all that prayer and all that positive thought may have gotten Joe through it, and God bless him. And again, like you said, if you're an atheist, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in prayer, just have good thoughts. He's really a great human being and a great guy. That's uh, Angie
0: Yang. Thank you so much for the 499 Super Chat. Just to let you all police off the cuff, duty-run community, Joe's getting treatment at a local hospital and is on the mend. He's happy to know you're all thinking of him. Of course Stop we him. are. We, we Stop like him. that big, we love that big handsome Irishman and his opinions. We, we miss <laughs> I, him. We miss that's him, right. him. I, I would have had him on the show today. You know, I, we, we love, uh, Absolutely. Sometime, sometimes he takes a 360 degree different position than I take, but it's, uh, it's good to have that. It's good to have that in the chat. And I believe me, folks who disagree with us in the chat, I like that, you know, because as long as you're respectful, you want to disagree with us. And you know, This is, uh, you know, police off the cuff and other content creators on YouTube. It is entertainment or else you wouldn't be tuning in and listening to us. And we're just giving, trying to give our perspective, which happens to be from a police perspective based on myself, 27 years and Phil, 21, 22 years on the NYPD. We've done a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. So um, that's why we want
1: to put our perspective out there you know, I really love Joe because like you said, you know, he's an attorney now. So he try to get, he tries to give the perspective from, uh, I guess you could say the defendant or the other side or or whatever it is, but I like to be challenged. I always love that. I mean, listen, testifying in court is a very difficult thing to, to do for anyone. Uh, and we did it on a regular basis and, For me, if I was uh, working on a case, I was certain about my facts. I took everything very seriously. I was always in my mind, I always had what I did. And listen, if I was challenged on it, and I'm not perfect, I'm a human being, I could have made a mistake. But when I get challenged on it, I always try to give the reason that I say what I said or I did what I did, and I give the facts. And listen, Joe has brought uh, a couple of different opinions about different things when we talked about the abduction and stuff and you know he brought up maybe it was the back door and stuff and listen i like to examine those things because again we're not perfect we could be 150% wrong about this thing but we're giving our opinions based on you know experience and listen working in the NYPD that's one thing you can say small town police departments, not trying to disparage them or take anything away from them, but they don't handle the volume of calls and things. I mean, you know, in the NYPD bill, and I'm sure you could uh, speak on this too. We were, it was almost like routine things. I mean, Listen, in the squad, in the detective bureau, you were dealing with dead bodies and you were dealing with shootings shootings and, and murders and you were dealing with all these things, especially in a homicide squad on a daily basis. So, you know, I'm not trying to disparage everyone. I'm not trying to say, oh, we're super professional or anything like that. But we did have the experience. And with experience comes what? Knowledge. When you have experience, you have knowledge. And that's what we're trying to put out there. That's what we're trying to talk about. And again, we don't talk about every single investigative step that we take, or, you know, we try to hold a few things close to the vest, but for the most part, uh, the knowledge comes from the experience. And listen, even the most experienced investigator, you learn something new every day, and especially with technology. So, create you know
0: uh VP uh thank you for the 299 super chat please clear up where the dogs found some scent. I believe that the scent ended at the the bottom of the road uh and I, I don't have um a picture of that right now or I would put it up on the screen but that's what I understood that uh I just have a picture of the house there but the scent um ended uh where the you know the car at the bottom of the road so that's the last um, when I spoke to Dave Rader, that's what he had told us.
1: Bill, keep that um, picture up. If you look to the right where the dog is, there's a road that looks like it goes kind of down. That might be the end of the drive. I don't know if this is a back entrance, but I think what they spoke about with the dog was that they called it a driveway. There was a road leading up from the main road to the property. And I believe that they said that, Um, the, uh, the scent of summer ended at the bottom of the driveway. Now that picture right there, and I only noticed it I must've looked at it a hundred times that picture right there shows that dog. Now they said that summer was down in the basement, that back door that you're looking at right in the middle of the screen, that would be the door that someone would have had to either go into and remove her from to abduct her, or she would have had to go out from. And look what you have right there. That's a fairly large dog that obviously if a stranger came on the property or a friend, my dog barks no matter who comes through the door. When I come through the door, he barks. So I think that that is very, very telling right there about the abduction. And, and the, the the question about the scent I think that that might be the road. It looks like it's all the way to the right. It looks like it's heading down. And I believe that they said that the dogs lost the scent at the end of what they described as the driveway. So what do you think about that, Bill? Did you notice that dog previously? I don't know why. I just noticed it today.
0: Yeah, no, I I know that they had 13 dogs on the property. And so when they did do the canine searches, they had to round up the dogs and get them away from uh you know the search dogs
1: yeah so yeah but i, I think that I, that's I, very telling he's at the back that's the back of the property and that's the basement door that they talk about that either was uh, locked or unlocked and the dog is right there. So I think that that's very telling again, to put more weight into our opinion that we really believe it was almost impossible that she was abducted. And there, right there in that picture you have the dog is, is he's camped out by the back of the house and it might be almost looks like he's looking down the dirt road towards the driveway. So again, there was 13 dogs on that property. Wouldn't someone have been alerted if someone was on the property to abduct summer in, in the middle right. of the day between we we've narrowed it down approximately two 30 to approximately six 30 it's light out. It's the summertime doesn't get dark till eight 39 o'clock that time of the year. So I think that that's highly unlikely. Uh, that's Kelly,
0: Nuc- of- Kelly Knuckles. You're saying that Don says conveniently that the dogs were gone that day. I don't believe a word that Don says. So unless that's confirmed by the police or by Search or someone in an authority. Well, I don't believe a word that Don says, but thank you for that that, that statement in the chat. Folks, I don't know if you know, I just became aware of it. Joe Murray is in the chat right now. So obviously he must be feeling a little bit better that he's in the chat. Joe, uh, we love you and we're real praying for you that you get better. And uh, it's great to see that you're in the chat.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm so glad he's in the chat that, listen, if he's up and he's paying attention to this, he's got to be feeling a lot better. But, uh, (laughs) K H Walker makes a a statement in the comments. Nobody would get past those dogs. I think it would be pretty, uh, a good assumption to make that statement. Nobody would get, not one dog, 13 dogs. So think about that.
0: Right. It's, you know, so to get back to what the whole premise of this show is, what the police and the real investigators may be thinking after the hoax, I don't think they're thinking a lot about the hoax because they probably didn't give it much pay, much attention, and they're paying attention to their to their job, and that's the investigation and trying to find Summer Wells. So if they if I don't think they're they're watching YouTube every night to see what people are saying, I think that they know what their job is. And they're focused on what their job is, and this could just be a distraction. Much of this is, it could be a distraction. If there is something that that is a "voila" moment on YouTube, yeah, maybe they'll pay attention to it and they'll they'll investigate it. You know, but for the most part, I don't think that's where they're getting their leads from. I think they have a clear direction where they're going in this investigation, and they're just doing their job and they're moving forward. And we're all hoping and praying again. Number one, that they find Summer Wells alive. And number two, someone
1: is held responsible for this if they don't. 100%, Bill. And I'd just like to make another comment about our show. Um, I enjoy spirited debate, whether it be about the Summer Wells case or any investigation or even politics. I enjoy that. And being challenged on specific details and facts. I really enjoy that. I enjoy doing the show. It, it's, it's such a pleasure to be amongst you, Bill, and it's a, a pleasure to be amongst professionals like Joe Murray and like Dave Rader and like Duty Ron. And what we do in, in this show is, you know, we're not being dramatic. We're being very, very factual about it. And uh, you know we've met on some of the shows, like the other night when when we had uh, Mike Simpson on. I mean, the guy is a, a a true hero to the military. He's accomplished so much in his life, and I could go on and on. There's so many other people that we've met, and uh, I know we got some other exciting shows coming up. And uh, I don't know, you maybe want to comment on that, Bill? Yeah, I just I just want to uh,
0: before I comment on that, I just want to uh, KP Baz, thank you for the 4.99 super chat. Off the cuff, I have never seen such terrible parents and YouTubers that have supported them. It's sad and disgusting, actually. From Boston, you're packing your car in the garage. From Boston, yeah. that's a terrible. That's a terrible Boston accent, KP Baz. But listen, I you know something. I don't want to comment really. I don't want to disparage other content creators, but there is a lot of noise on on YouTube and. Uh, you know something. What we always say is, if if you don't like it, you can change the channel. But there is, for this case, which is a very serious, and uh, it's a you know missing person case of a five-year-old girl, there is a lot of stuff out there that probably doesn't belong out there. But um, we're we're content creators too. We're commenting from a police perspective. I think we try to keep it as professional as possible, uh, and that's that's all I'll comment on that. Bill, you got you any know, words though, on that?
1: I- I I got a comment on that. What was it? KP? uh, What was it? KP Baz?
0: KP Baz. Yes. KP
1: Baz. Um, Listen, uh, your opinion, we're not being judgmental. Okay. When we say that we're kind of in agreement that, you know, it looks like they may have been bad parents. That's based on the fact that their children were taken away and their appearances. Joe Murray's words exactly. They gave a bad look. They have a horrible look when they did those interviews. So we're not just being judgmental, as people say. And, and I don't have a problem with being judgmental about something when it's obvious and it's right in your face. And I think that that's right in your face. And as far as the Boston accent, we used to have a police commissioner by the name of Bill, Bill Bratton. Bratton. At NYPD. And every, <laughs> why he said, every time he said... This department, he used that real hard, force in action. This department, I loved it. Every time I heard him, I went, oh. you could tell he's not a New Yorker. But he was, uh, he was a pretty good PC. He brought he brought the police department into the 20th century with the uh, the nine millimeters. He changed the uniform. So he did a lot of good for the for the department.
0: <laughs> you know, Candier, I, I, I just uh, highlighting, this is a great, uh, great comment. Uh, hasn't social media helped solve a lot of crimes, though? Is there no division that keeps an eye on those things? law enforcement 100% and I'll tell you one way on the NYPD we used to have uh young kids that would be involved in shootings and they'd actually posted on YouTube uh po- posed with their guns posed with talking about who they shot the night before so yes watching social media is they there's actually I believe the NYPD has units that actually do that in intelligence division and but even precinct detective squads they monitor social media also. So is someone from the Hawkins police department monitoring uh, social media? I hope so. Someone from the TBI. I hope so. Someone from the FBI. Absolutely. Cause you can learn a lot, but having said that there's also a lot of nonsense put on this on social media and you have to know what, you know, to separate the good from the bad, what's good information, what's bad information. Cause Look, you can go on social media and you could, you could be on for eight hours before you realize uh, that much time has transpired. So uh, good question. Yeah, very good question.
1: You know that was a good comment by Candy A, and the reason I say that is because just recently in Queens, New York, there was a a bunch of guys on motorcycles in a park, and they ran over a little kid. Thank God the kid survived. However, the guy went on social media and posted that it wasn't his fault. The mother wasn't watching the kid. Naturally, he was putting bracelets the next day, and uh, it was very helpful in. Uh, you know, uh, he basically admitted it. So he, he now made a video on social media admitting that he ran over this kid with the motorcycle. So uh, he's going to have uh, some explaining to do. Or as uh, Lucille Ball would say, uh, Ricky would say, some splaining She's got some explaining to do. <laughs> so, yeah, no, the social media, definitely we monitor it in in um, in investigations all the time. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, great comment by Candy A.
0: Lily Rose, thank you so much for the $10 super sticker. It's very much appreciated. Folks, I I see all the folks that are in uh, green, and that means you're a part of the uh, YouTube family. You're a a channel member, and I really appreciate that. We just really started doing this with our producer, Josh, Boxing MMA. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for becoming part of the Police Off the Cuff uh, Real Crime family. It's, It's so, so appreciated. Stace on the case. I'm trying to highlight as many of you guys as I can. Uh, and if you like uh, the Police Off the Cuff channel, please go on um, our YouTube, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. I just want to take a quick uh, minute to go over some of the shows we're going to be doing in the next week. On 9-7, we have firefighter John Sorrentino uh, from Ladder 205 of the FDNY Talking Actually, about bro, 9/11. It,
1: I'm sorry. It's it's engine 205 and ladder 118.
0: Okay, engine 205. He yeah. lost he lost half his compadres on 9/11. He's going to come on on 9/7 at uh, 9 p.m. to talk about that horrible day. On 9/9, Bob Martin, who wrote the book 9/11, 20 years later, he's going to come on seven o'clock on 9/11. He was on uh, 9/9. 9/9. He's going to talk about 9-11, 20 years later, and that's his book. On 9-15-21, uh, we're sort of going to segue into a different type of uh, podcast. We're going to have Sammy the Bull Gravano on, who was the underboss of the uh, Gambino crime family under John Gotti. And he has a podcast himself called uh, Our Thing. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting podcast with Sammy the Bull. On 9-21, we have... Uh, counterterrorism expert Mordecai Dezansky on at 9 p.m. He's from Israel. He's a retired first grade detective. Very important, especially with what has just transpired in Afghanistan and uh, the uh, potential for future terrorist attacks. On 9:26, we're gonna have Jimmy Calandra. He was from uh, the Bath, um, the Bath Avenue crew, and another um, former uh, organized crime guy. Um, 6 p.m. That's on a Sunday, and we just got Judge Pat Domingo from the TV show Hot Bench. She's going to come on on 9:28 at 9 p.m. Uh, t- to talk about herself and her show and how she got involved in being a judge. And you know, she started out as a school teacher. She got involved in being a judge and how she wound up on a TV show for eight years. So that should be uh, pretty interesting. You know, folks, I just, you know, I, I just want to underline how seriously we, of course, take this case, how important this case is. And I think that most people that do cover this case take it very seriously and are, and are very concerned with finding Summer Wells. And um, we we wanted to bring you this today. Not that we have smoking gun new information, but we wanted to talk about potentially where the what the real investigators are doing and where they are with this case. And uh, I know we have no new smoking gun information, but it's good to – that. this is how detectives do solve things. They talk about a case, they hypothesize, they theorize, and then they type arise, right? They yeah. type the report. And uh, so I just hope that you're sort of like a voyeur in, in, in watching and listening to what we have to say about this case. Phil, final thoughts?
1: Final thoughts. Um, yeah, listen, let's pray and hope that Summer Wells is found alive and well. And, uh, you know, we're on top of this. If something breaks, we're going to be on it. And we're not going to just shoot from the hip and talk about things that could be a hoax. We're going to check it out before we do make comment uh, regarding the upcoming shows. John Sorrentino on the 7th. Uh, I'm friends with him a very long time. He was a police officer before he was a firefighter on nine 11, eight guys from his firehouse perished. He became the spokesman for those eight families uh, on nine Ten, the day before nine eleven, him and the guys from his firehouse go lay wreaths on all of the graves of the eight members that they lost. Then on 9-11, they have a, a ceremony at the firehouse, and then they'll be visiting Ground Zero that day. He's been kind enough to come on on the seventh, a couple of days before. He's going to He's did uh, many other podcasts. I did a uh, documentary with John. He's uh, got a lot of information, a wealth of information of. Uh, The losses that the fire department incurred on that day, they lost 343 members and him as well as Bill and I and a lot of the first responders all suffer from uh, the uh, exposure to the toxins at ground zero. John has been struggling with that, but thank God he's doing okay. We're all, uh, muddling through, but there's a a lot of nagging, uh, health issues that we have. So he's going to be a great guest. Uh, Bill went through all the other ones, Patricia DeMango. I know she's a a retired Supreme court judge from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, she's out in uh, LA doing that show hot bench. She's fantastic on that. I'm sure she's going to be a great uh, guest. Then we have, um, a couple of the nine 11 related shows. We got the guy Mordecai from, uh, he's a terrorism expert. And then we have the two organized crime. Um, they were actually members of organized crime, Sammy the Bull Gravano, who's known throughout the world as the guy that brought down the Gambino crime family and organized crime in general. And Jimmy Calandra, who's also uh, one of the people who uh, cooperated and uh, you know, we're going to have both of those. They're going to be interesting interviews again, not condoning criminal behavior. I want to make that clear. We're just doing a conversation and interview about what, transpired with them or what went on in their lives. And uh, hopefully there's some type of a positive, positive message that could come out of that again, not condoning criminal behavior, but these are some exciting shows we're talking about last word, Joe Murray, get better. We need you back here on the show. We need that uh, Joe Murray insight. God bless.
0: Absolutely. And folks, all our uh, subscribers, thank you for subscribing to police off the cuff and all our new channel members. We have shortly, we're going to have merchandise coming out and uh, it's pretty exciting because we have the uh, dipped in butter <laughs> saying on the back of the coffee cups, even on the uh, the workout pants, we're going to have it on the butt dipped in butter. I think that's, th- that'll be a big seller. Anyway. Yeah, we <laughs> There it is. But folks, I really want to thank all you for subscribing and all you, all, all you became our channel members for supporting police off the cuff, real crime stories. And on behalf of Sergeant Bill, And Detective Phil, that's the first time I said that. I said that. Have a great afternoon, and thank you so much for watching.
1: Stay safe, everybody.